Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. This is take two of the show. This you guys know. I've got uh, I've got some inside dogs who are a little bit unruly, and then I had to stop and start and stop and start. And then by the time I got the dogs handled, then all of a sudden I started getting phone calls, and uh, some more important than others. And uh, so I just decided, you know what, let's just punt and start over. So hopefully you won't hear any dogs yelping or hear any phones ringing during the show. There's a couple things that I wanted to get right out of the gate. There's a couple things that I want to say. Is uh, those of you, and I say this with as much love as possible, and I, and I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to help you a little bit and maybe the people in your Facebook feeds. But those of you that are like rushing to Facebook to post all these pictures of kids in the Cotton District, take a breath, okay? Take a breath. And there are a few things I want to say about that. College kids have been congregating all summer long. Now, in the same numbers, no. But the reality is, is these kids have not lived in a bubble. They have not lived in a hyperbaric chamber and now we're just releasing them back to the wild for the first time. That's just college kids. That's what college kids do. When you were a college kid, you would have done the same thing. You can you know, Listen, we look back at all that stuff through the lens of adulthood, and we kind of misremember some things. Oh, I never did this. It's kind of like the guy who goes, man, if I was ever back in college, man, I would get so many more girls. No, you wouldn't. You'd get the same thing you got. Yeah, it's just that's just kind of how life works. But there's so many people we look back at that and say, "Oh, I can't believe they're doing this." You know, maybe because of the fact that I deal with college athletes regularly, and that I have two college girls in my family, maybe I'm a little better in tune with what's going on with the college age demographic. And uh, listen, I'll be honest with you, my my girls uh, did not sit at home all summer. I have one daughter that uh, did spend a lot of time at home, and she worked from home. And then I had another daughter that uh, went to Florida and went to California uh, against her dad's wishes. But it's one of those things, too. It's like, you know what, she's, uh, you know, she's of age. And while I'm her dad, I'm not a warden. I said, well, listen, if you've if you, if you got to go, if you're going to take, if you have to take this trip, at least let me you know, pay for the hotel room or whatever. I want to make sure you're safe. I want to pick you up from the airport, you know, that sort of stuff. But I, I say all that to say this, is that some people are just kind of acting like that this is completely unexpected. You know, young people, by and large, are not getting really sick from the virus. Now, anybody that gets the virus, that is obviously a concern, clearly a concern. Many of them will have it and kind of unknowingly pass it on to somebody else. But if you look at the numbers, the, 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 the data, the science that everybody kind of gets back to, the, the numbers say that the college demographic, for the most part, has handled this thing really well. And there are some that suggest, you know, the, the quote, herd immunity, and I, I know a lot of that's just a cliche that gets thrown around, is kind of, kind of originate with them. And so I don't say that to let them off the hook, but to suggest to you that, you know, listen, this is not a new undertaking. These are the people that have gone to the reservoir. These are ones that have been in the bars. These are the ones that have had the house parties or the, the field parties or whatever you want to call them these days. These people, not when they get together, they're not wearing masks. They're drinking after each other. They're breaking bread together. They're hugging and kissing on each other. That's the reality of life. 
And I know these things have happened because you guys have screenshot their pictures and shared them on your Facebook feed, just like you did the ones in the Cotton District over the weekend. And so I'm not saying you're not right to be concerned. I think you're a little bit over-concerned, though. I think what we have to do is worry about us, worry about personal responsibility and personal accountability. I can't be good enough for both of us. You can't be diligent enough for both of us. And so if those kids in the Cotton District get sick, they, they can't blame you because you have done your public service announcement. You have done the best you can uh, to spread uh, the, 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 the issues, you know, the possibilities here. Is, hey, listen, college kids, you got to be careful. And I know sometimes, too, that kind of sends up a red flag to parents. Like, hey, let me, let me call my kid. And you know what, parents, here's the deal. If they weren't wearing the mask before you called, they're not going to wear it after. They're in college. They're college kids. It's just how it is. And so reasonable and college-age kids doesn't always go together. And that's one of the things people say, well, you know, they're so mature, they make good decisions. The reason you remember those is because that's kind of the exception to the rule. That's one of the best things about going to college is you get some freedom, you get a little less accountability, and you kind of test your wings a little bit. And sometimes people like myself... Uh, crash into the side of a mountain then you tumble down to the bottom and you got to dig your way back up but for the most part people handle it okay we all have some skeletons in the closet some of us have an entire cemetery but my point being is you got to let young people be young people you know it's just you, you remember and just yesterday we uh remembered elvis presley Many of your parents didn't want you listening to Elvis Presley because the way he would shake his hips. Okay, so let's not sit here and pretend that, you know, hey, we were a little bit rebellious at times in every stretch of the imagination. There's a little more danger out there these days. There's a virus that will kill you. A hunk of burning love never would. But I say that because I think there is just, there's this segment of, of people that they're, we're looking for anything to validate our worry. You know, we can't just kind of move forward and just say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy today. So let me get on Facebook and let's just see, let me see if there's pictures of the kids. And then you're like, oh my gosh, there is pictures of somebody else's kids doing something that I don't want them to do. I need to get on here and tell everybody how to live life. Just relax a little bit. Speaking of young kids that make mistakes, Malik Heath arrested, driving while intoxicated. Uh, and, and listen, there's some nuance to that, as the attorneys say. When you're underage, you're under the age of 21. If you blow 0.2, which is very easy to do if you've had anything to drink, then automatically it's a DUI. Now, I am not going to sit here and minimize the situation because here's the deal. Anytime any person is under the influence of alcohol, they don't need to be behind the wheel. Simple as that. There can really be no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And then the first thing that some of our fans said when they found out is, oh, I bet he got caught up in that speed trap outside Louisville. You know what? The posted speed limits are the posted speed limits. I can't sit here and tell you that I always obey them. But I don't fault law enforcement for enforcing the law. If the speed limit says this, then that's what you do. And if they pull you over and you were going over, you take your leg. It just so happened he happened to be drinking. 
He also had what a suspended license and a few other minor charges, traffic offenses, and those, those, that's not the bigger issue. But there's a responsibility and a maturity issue. And I, listen, I get it. You know, back to the whole college kids thing. I know they all drink in some respects. They may have one. There's maybe a handful that have none, but there, you know, there are some of us that uh, drink to excess. I know I did when I was 19 years of age. I drank enough for all those kids in, in the, you know, in the BSU. I drank enough for me and them. And so that's part of college for a lot of young people. And so I'm not saying Malik Heath shouldn't have a beer. I'm not saying Malik Heath shouldn't drive a car. I'm not going to say Malik Heath shouldn't speed. I've done all those things at some point in my life. But when you combine the three of them, when you speed and you're drinking and you're out there uh, speeding and driving a vehicle, motor vehicle, then you know, that, that, that's when it becomes more of a serious issue. You know, we talk about this, uh, you know, mothers against drunk driving thing. I know some of you young people probably have forgotten what that means. Uh, we were around when that began. It's a serious issue. I'm not going to make light of that in any way whatsoever. And, and that's the thing, too. You know, nobody has the corner of the market on kids doing irresponsible things. I always hold my breath. You know, when, when a kid at Ole Miss gets in trouble, I know it's just a matter of time before Mississippi State has a kid in the headlines, too, because it, it's just a cycle of things. And so there's, we all, there's always our, our segment of our fans, we take glee in the fact that some, you know, Ole Miss kid runs afoul of the law, gets caught, you know, trying to steal some, you know, some charcoal or something like that, and it becomes a big joke. But, um, you know, what comes around goes around. You know, there are some programs out there that probably have, uh, you know, more than Mississippi State does. I think some of that's the culture. But at the end of the day, with this many people on campus and this many young people, and, and, and let's be honest – for some people, there is a bit of a sense of entitlement as a college athlete. These guys live like kings. And so you think, I'm not going to get caught. If they do pull me over, they're not going to charge me. Well, they did in this case. So how Malik Heath will be disciplined remains Mike Leach's decision. I think it's important for people to understand. I think Mike Leach probably has a little bit of Dan Mullen in him when it comes to this media stuff. You know, there are some people within the state, it's like as, as soon as anything happens, if there's ever an article written about them, they have to kind of get their spin out there. You know, they have to get their side of the story out. They can't wait to tell their story, women's basketball and track. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. And so Mike Nemitz is a good friend of mine, Mike's colleague now. And, uh, you know, I've told you guys before, usually one of the first phone calls I make every single morning is to Mike Nemitz. Uh, Mike's an early riser. I'm not. But I talk to Mike and kind of see what Mike's hearing, and I run some story ideas by Mike, and I say, hey, what do you think about this, and what do you think about this line of thinking? He's a great resource for me. But one of the things Mike and I talked about some time ago, and I've always respected this about Mike Nemeth, especially when he was at Mississippi State, is when Mike Nemeth said, we are aware of the incident and we will have no further comment, we had no further comment. That's the kind of the quote you got over the weekend about Malik Keith. Mike Leach is aware of the situation. We'll have no further comment. And I don't understand, uh, you know, there's always this, in this instant digital media age, people expect to be, you know, instantly updated. Well, they need to release a statement. Why do we need to release a statement? For what? What, is, what do we gain by releasing a statement? Because whatever you say is going to be wrong. The way you handle it is what the way Mississippi State did. We're aware of it. We're moving on. And then Malik Heath will have to deal with Mike Leach. I suspect that he'll have to spend a lot of time on the Leach Beach, probably some sunny days out there with no shades. It could be a one-game suspension. 
Jace Chrisman, of course, uh, last DUI that I can recall, and uh, he had a one-game suspension, and then, you know, it was over and done with. And we kind of move forward with life. So, no, I don't expect Malik Heath to be dismissed from the team. Uh, it is the first incident that we're aware of. But also, too, you remember Jack Harris, of course, was uh, arrested back during spring break. But Jack Harris is practicing with your football team. So, Jack is still here. There were a lot of people that said, you know, Mike Leach is kind of a one-and-done guy. Uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. I think there is a little nuance with that. But I think a lot of it depends on the infraction. But one of the things that I respect about good leaders is they don't feel the need to explain. One of the things that my dad, who was one of the best leaders that I have ever known, used to tell me, don't waste your time explaining things because your enemies won't believe it and your friends don't need it. And so that's how I feel about all of this. It's like Mississippi State fans are going to be forgiving because it is our kids. And then, you know, our rival schools, no matter what we say, they're going to pick it apart. And that's what life will show you. And so that's been a million-dollar question. What happens? With, you know, listen, it'll be held in-house, probably a suspension, but I don't think it's just a suspension. I think one of the things, too, when you have those guys that make a mistake, and so you know what? The guy made a mistake, but we have his back. We're going to hold him accountable, but we have his back. He is still a member of our program, a member of our family. We're not going to throw him to the wolves and go out there and make a bad situation worse by uh, you know, making public comment. I don't know that Malik Heath's name will be brought up again except when he is either suspended or reinstated. I don't think Mike Leach is going to give some long, drawn-out explanation and share his thoughts on all this. And here's the thing, too. We're not owed that. We think we are at times, but we're not. Not us in the media, not you as a fan base. We're not owed every explanation about every issue that comes across Mike Leach's desk. Paying that guy $5 million a year to to run a football program and we're expecting him to go win. We're expecting him to recruit at a high level. We're expecting him to graduate players. And so Mississippi State is not going to go conduct a Twitter poll on how we should discipline Malik Heath, and nor should they. We shouldn't have a say in that. We don't. We're paying that guy to handle all that. What are we paying him for if we're going to want to run a program? It's a good question, right? We can just go ahead and set it up on Twitter and just you know conduct polls and you know let the fans call the plays and everything. You know, all of that stuff, I, I think I get a little silly with all that stuff because I think there's so much that goes on that people feel, you know, some sense of entitlement that they should know. And the right to know is not a constitutional right. What is constitutional is Bulldog Burger Company, guys. You should be in there. It is your right to have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. And by God, you should exercise that every chance that you get. Bulldog Burger Company, a fantastic restaurant, part of a great family of restaurants that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. You're going to be happy you went in there and had a good day. You're going to have a great meal at a great price, and you're going to get great service, and you're going to walk out of there and say, you know what, that was a good experience. It's a great experience. I'm going to go back. Have the spring rolls as the appetizer, and then pick the burger that brings out the animal in you. Listen. If you're a little bit on the conservative side, just have that great bulldog burger. Just order the bulldog, straight ahead rock and roll, man. Just twos and fours, rhythm and blues, you can have that. But if you like a little more crunch, if you like a little more excitement, you know, maybe you get that pimentology add bacon. I mean, that's kind of the heavy metal burger right there. And you know what? If you're a country western fan, have the smokehouse. You know, find something that fits you. Find something that fits your taste buds. Find your own favorites at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you, 
right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, let's get into this schedule deal. By the time you listen to this, you will probably already know. And so, I'm not going to break any news about the schedule because there is no news to be broken because I understand that Greg Sankey has kind of locked everything down in Birmingham. I understand that the ADs will find out around 1.30 today what time or who their week one opponent's going to be. Not sure we get times yet. And then at 6 p.m. Central tonight, we'll get the full schedule. I understand that they're very worried about leagues, and I understand that Sankey has gotten to the point now where, um, you know, he's kind of said, we're going to lock things down. We're not going to share information. Because, you know, here's the deal. And you have to think about it. If you're Greg Sankey, and you're on a Zoom call with your 14 ADs, you have to think, okay, we're all similarly situated here. We all have a vested interest in this, so there has to be some level of trust. And I understand that there have been many things that have leaked out of those meetings and made their way to the media, and so the best way you do it is you just keep the ADs out of the loop until you're ready to go. I don't know why the schedule is such a big secret, to be fair. And maybe this is just one of those exercises where Sankey's just trying to get control uh, of that sort of thing. But I had three people before 8 a.m. this morning send me a message telling me, hey, I've heard it's this person. I've heard it's Vandy. I've heard it's Arkansas. I've heard it's Georgia. And what that tells me is that nobody knows. And maybe they're contacting me, so I'll correct them. But I don't know. I have no idea who we're going to play the first week. I'd like to have a winnable game because you'd like to be able to start out 1-0 and uh, and then have the opportunity to kind of move forward, uh, you know, with some positivity. You certainly don't want to lose the first one. And you absolutely don't want to lose badly. And we talk about having the 25% you know, fans there. You might lose some of those. And I'll I, I tell you, I, Mike and I were speaking this morning. I suspect that you're going to have a lot of people that uh, will be a scalper's delight this year when it comes to tickets. I think some people are thinking, you know what, I may only get to see state once. I'm willing to pay a little bit more. It is absolutely a seller's market when it comes to these tickets. Absolutely. And so if you find out right now, like if you find out, okay, listen, we're going to play Arkansas or Vandy at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and that's the only time we can play, and that's the only game you can go to in person, you're going to be there. You're going to, you, you're going to be there. You know you're going to be there, especially when you say, you know what, I may not be able to go every week. There's only five home games. Uh, listen, i got to do the best I can. i got to go support the dogs and ring a cowbell. Man, I love my dogs. And so, you know what, we're not going to be tailgating this year. We're not going to have the big spread this year. It's going to be a lot less people. And so maybe we can afford to give a little bit more. And so there are going to be tickets to be had, but they're going to be pricey. Go ahead and prepare you for that. But uh, listen, 6 p.m. tonight, we'll all find out together. And then, you know, it is what it is. And then we already know the opponents. And uh, I was told we don't even know if it's home or away for week one yet. We don't even know yet. You know, we were scheduled to play Arkansas as our first SEC opponent at home. We will play them at home at some point, but uh, we just simply don't know right now how this is going to break out. And, and listen, I commend the SEC, you know, for from trying to kind of, you know, put the reins around this thing a little bit and kind of corral a little bit of these leaks. But, you know, I don't know that I wouldn't have come out at 10 a.m. this morning and kind of dominate the news cycle today. I don't, I don't know why we do it so late. You know, maybe, maybe you come on out here and then, then the rest of the day – the SEC schedule is the only thing that's being debated. And then everybody's releasing the schedule, and you got your analysis of the schedule. Then tomorrow it's, hey, here's who's got the roughest stretch, and here's who's got the easiest path to Atlanta. You know, that's what I would have done. You know, but Greg Sankey didn't call and ask me. So 
So, Greg, I respect what you're doing, but I would have done a little bit earlier in the day. That's just me. I think you dominate today. I think that an SEC is the big boy. But, you know, again, Greg Sankey doesn't need any advice from Steve Robertson, unless it's by phone records. All right, so uh, a couple things I want to talk about, too, with the schedule thing before we uh, move on to the top ten list is with five home games, five away games, the visiting tickets. That was one of the big questions you guys have had. Now, what I am told is that there will be some tickets to be had for visiting fans. Not going to be many. You know, some of that's probably going to go for, you know, parents and that sort of stuff. But there will be some Bulldog fans at away games. So it's not going to be like it has been in the past. And so you're probably better off getting your tickets from a third third party, you know, one of these services online. Um, you know, it's just part of the deal. But um, there will be some tickets available to purchase through Mississippi State. And so we'll see how that's what I'm told. You know, things obviously can change. It's, it's a very dynamic situation, as you guys know. We get up one day and believe one thing is correct, and then the next day we don't know. But there will be Bulldogs. And so when you see the schedule tonight and you think, oh, man, I hate that I can't go, they're going to be right in my backyard, there is still the possibility for you to go. Now, obviously – that school's season ticket holders are going to take precedent, but there will be some tickets to be had. Maybe you know somebody. I don't know. But uh, it's not going to be just a strictly partisan crowd. And, you know, maybe if we turn out for those ball games, maybe perhaps the Bulldogs, uh, you know, late in ball games or whatever, if uh, things are going good, maybe we can, hey, be a little more vocal. We'll see. But somebody out there tonight, no matter how good the schedule is going to be, that there will be people out there that say, hey, we were taken advantage of and this school was was, uh, was treated better than us. And some of that is just, you know, the reality of things. I mean, you're not going to make all 14 schools happy. And, you know, the thing that I think about with this Arkansas-Missouri thing, everybody feels sorry for them. Nobody feels sorry for Vanderbilt because you just kind of expect them to be below 500. And when they're not – when they when James Franklin was there and they actually got above 500, you're kind of like, hey, I, I want them to win as long as they're not upsetting us. But Arkansas and Missouri, I, th- I think, took the bullet. And if I'm Greg Zanke and the schedule makers of the SEC and I'm looking at this whole thing, okay, if i got to give somebody Florida and Georgia – and I'm looking at this from a business standpoint, and I'm not saying this is how Zanke saw it, but this is how I see it. If I got to give Florida and Georgia the best chance to get to the playoff, I'm giving them Arkansas. And you can say, well, Steve, it's not fair. Well, you know, Alabama's already playing Georgia. So now I'm going to give Alabama Florida too, and then I'm going to have all three of my top FBS playoff competitors playing head-to-head, and two of them are going to knock each other out. Right? You know, unless Alabama would sweep them both. You know, that's just it, – it doesn't make good sense. If you think about the health of the league and positioning for the playoffs, I'm going to give my contenders the path of least resistance. And then people say, well, Steve, you can't look at life this way. Listen, it's a business. It's athletic, but it's a business. And it's funny, you know, people always say, well, it's a business. We should pay student athletes. And we do pay student athletes. That gets lost in the translation line. We do. Well, Steve, they deserve more on scholarship and books. They get that. Not to mention the thousands and thousands of dollars of free gear they get and a stipend check for the full cost of attendance. 
Is it enough? Probably not. I, I'm in favor of paying players. But I think before, before we do that, before we give those who are graduating college debt-free more money, we have to improve the scholarship inequality. You can't go give football and basketball more money on top of that as long as baseball and softball and other sports. And th- those kids are having to graduate thirty-five, dollars $40,000 in debt just because they excel at a different sport. That's not fair. And so you want to talk about issues. You know, before we even get to that mountain, we got to address that first. But it's a business. It's more so a business today than it ever has been. You $100 million contracts, nearly a billion dollars in ESPN TV revenue to be distributed among college schools. And this is not a for-profit business in that respect. I mean, you, you spend what you have. You, you got to increase facilities. You give staff raises. You, you do a lot of that stuff. And there's a lot of people out there that don't understand how many people are involved that make this thing work. There are so many people behind the scenes at Mississippi State and everywhere else that you guys never see. I mean, you know those videos that everybody loves on social media? Well, somebody's responsible for that. Somebody's got to shoot it. Somebody's got to edit it. Somebody's got to produce it. You would be amazed at the number of people on game day. Many of you will never in your life set foot on press row. There are an army of people behind the scenes that work to ensure that we can pull off a football game. Whether it's marketing whether it's event management group, whether it's security, it is, it is an army of people. They're paid by the money generated in football. So it's not as simple as, okay, well, like I, I saw a tweet yesterday and I, I just kind of laughed. They said that it, LSU could lose $80 million if they didn't play football this year. And somebody said, well, that just tells me there's $80 million to split. Well, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Let me encourage you to go check into an Econ 101 class. But it is a business. They'll never forget it. Because what do you think the driving force is that's behind coaching changes? It's not you being mad on social media. It's you not buying tickets. It's you not buying merchandise. People vote with their wallets, their debit cards. When the revenue begins to dip, you can survive that for a year or two. But you got to get them back. That's one of the reasons that you change coaches as quickly as you do sometimes. You know, the days of letting a guy figure it out over four or five years, those, those are over. It doesn't happen anymore. That's why it's so important. You know, when you look at all these people, that are, when, we're, when we're winning, everybody wants to wear a maroon and white shirt. Everybody wants to be associated with a winner. Everybody wants everybody to know they're Bulldogs. When we're middle of the pack, you know, not as many of those shirts being bought. You know, then all of a sudden, hey, you get – you know, your kids get that Mississippi State shirt and those bowl tickets at Christmas, it's a big deal. They get in the middle of the summer when we're, you know, staring three and nine in the face, eh, just another shirt. All right, so speaking of uh, your shirts, you want your shirts to smell nice, let me encourage you, go to hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, because the cologne that you spray on your shirt matters. It does, and nobody ever taught us as young men how to buy cologne. There are a lot of guys walking around there right now wearing cologne doesn't fit. Just like a bad pair of shoes, man, you get the wrong cologne, you're going to struggle. So let me encourage you, go to Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, take their short two-minute quiz. 
Take it, fill out your preferences. I don't think it takes two minutes. You fill it out. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. They will then pair you with products that fit you. You get the work scent, the play scent. You can get the body lotion. You can get the body wash. You can get shampoo. You can get conditioner. Anything that you need. To feel better about yourself as a man, you get right there at Hawthorne.co. When you look good, you smell good, you work good. You want to improve your batting average with your love interest? Hawthorne.co. Use promo code BONEYARD. Unlock some savings for yourself. Again, Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Okay, getting to the top ten list. I like this one because I've had multiple requests for this one lately. I have had a lot of people, probably in the last couple months, Steve, what about rock covers? And listen, there's some listen. There's some great cover songs out there. I've done a cover show top ten list before. But Jim Cooks, he contacted me. So Jim, thanks so much for being a Boneyard listener. Appreciate your support. Jim said, "Hey Steve, here's a good topic, and I'll give you one of my favorites." But I, you know, he wanted to hear about rock covers, rock bands that cover other songs that you know, just made them better in some respects. So. Jim, your uh, your one of your your favorite, the one you gave me, is number five on the list. I know that's your favorite, but it's number five for me. So let me give you a couple of covers out here as honorable mentions. And I do want to apologize. I, the honorable mentions sometimes are I'm all over the place. I didn't mention You're in Love when I did the Rat Show the other day. You're in Love was a huge hit off Invasion of Your Privacy for Rats. So Stephen Piercy, please forgive me. All right, so here are some. One of the greatest covers was uh, when Hart did Stairway to Heaven. I think it was at the Ford Center, and then uh, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones were there. It was incredible. You can look that up on YouTube, and it, it is one of those deals. You get chills watching it, watching Robert Plant then react to the show. But uh, that didn't make a top ten list, but I'll encourage you, if you are a fan of Heart or Led Zeppelin or just great music, go watch it on YouTube today. Okay, um, Holy Diver. A Dio classic was covered by Killswitch Engage, and uh, I'm a huge Ronnie James Dio guy. I still can't understand how a guy that small had such a big voice, but man, God bless the soul of Ronnie James Dio. But Killswitch Engage, absolutely killer version of Holy Diver. Uh, I, I th- Sound of Silence is one that a lot of people, it was a huge hit for Disturbed. They redid the Simon and Garfunkel classic. It's very haunting the way that David Draymond sings it, and I'm a huge David Draymond fan. Loved him with device. Uh, Dave used to interact with me on Twitter, and he finally got so sick and tired of all the uh, the anti-Semitism he got off Twitter. But uh, Dave Draymond is an incredible singer, and not just a rock guy. I mean, if you go back, if you if you can find some of the things that David Draymond has written, you'll be amazed how intelligent that guy is. The, one of the only rock stars in the world that doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't have tattoos because he wants to be buried in a Jewish cemetery when he dies. I, I can respect it. Okay, No Quarter from Tool, another Led Zeppelin classic, and uh, I'm a Maynard James Keenan fan and uh, love the fact that they covered No Quarter. And it's only it's not available just anywhere. I got it on a, in a box set. Uh, Renegades of Funk, the Africa Bombada classic, covered by Rage Against the Machine on the Renegades of Funk covers album. The whole album is them redoing a bunch of old rap songs. Uh, Pistol Grip Pump is on there. It's great. Go check it out if you're an old school rap fan. It's a new take on that. The last studio album recorded by Rage Against the Machine. And that one, a sneaky good cover that nobody talks about is the Cars classic Drive 
covered by 6AM. That's Nikki Six's side project for Motley Crue. The arrangement in that song is incredible. And I, listen, I wasn't a huge Cars fan, but Drive was a huge hit for them when I was in school. And uh, so when 6AM covered it, I said, this will be interesting. It's phenomenal. Okay, so here's the top 10 list for our friend Jim Cooksey. If you have suggestions for the top 10 list, send them on. I won't get to all of them. I will get to most of them. All right, so number 10 for me, Word Up from Korn. It's on their Greatest Hits album, cover of the great cameo classic. I love it. Uh, my oldest son, that was his walkout music when he was a relief pitcher in college. Dig it. Rocky Mountain Way. Joe Walsh classic covered by Godsmack. It is absolutely killer. I always love the original, but Godsmack puts a little more teeth in the delivery. Uh, love Sully's vocal on it. It's incredible. Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. The Eurythmics Annie Lennox classic covered by Marilyn Manson. Did a great job of it and uh, made it really, really creepy. It's kind of sinister sounding. Uh, number seven for me, and this will be higher on some people's list, and some people will probably say, well, Steve, I can't believe... You didn't have this number one since you're such a huge fan of this band, but you're wrong. But Simple Man's version, Shinedown's version of Simple Man is incredible. Most people don't know this. Jason Todd, who was a guitarist at Shinedown at the time, was married to Melody Van Zant, Ronnie's daughter. And that's how they got permission to record the song. It is a killer, killer version. Even though there are a couple parts late in the chorus, I think Brent kind of oversings it a little bit. But that's true to the original with a little more of a rock sound. Number six. Kind of a one-hit wonder here. Boys of Summer by the Ataris. Dig that, man. And I uh, love the black flag sticker on a Cadillac, you know, instead of the Deadhead sticker. You know, it's like we modernized it a little bit. The Don Henley classic, probably my favorite solo Don Henley song. Like Dirty Laundry a lot, too, but really like Boys of Summer. And Ataris had a great... Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply version of that 
Number five, Jim Cooksey's favorite cover is Turn the Page. That's Metallica's take on the great Bob Seger classic. I'm a huge Bob Seger fan, and the older I get, the more that I like Bob Seger. I can get deeper into that catalog, man, and find so many great songs. One of America's greatest songwriters, and this song covered by one of America's greatest metal bands. I'm not the biggest Metallica fan, but I, I certainly respect this a lot. They had a, they've done a lot of covers over the years. I know they did Stone Cold Crazy for the... Uh, the Electra Rubiat celebration, and uh, I've got a song from that coming up a little bit later that I absolutely love that most of you have probably never heard. Number four for me, and I will not listen to any slander on social media about this, so be prepared to fight, but it's White Lion's version of Radar Love. I absolutely love it. I think the drum solo, the guitar solo, it works. The video's incredible. And again, we've talked about this before, but uh, that's one some people said, hey, Steve, I can't believe you like it better than Golden Earrings version. I didn't say I liked it better, but I like it a lot because I think they did a great job holding true, but then kind of made it their own a little bit. And, and to be quite honest with you, the best Golden Earrings song is Twilight Zone. All right, number three for me, and this probably wouldn't make any of your top ten lists, but it's Faster Pussycats version of You're So Vain, the Carly Simon classic. Uh, Time Me Down is a great job on that, and the, the musical arrangement is so West Hollywood, crazy, sleaze rock. You're so vain from Faster Pussycat. Go check it out. I love it. I love the video. I've met Tammy, loved that whole band. Loved the, I've loved that band more than a friend for a long time. Number two for me, and I almost went number one with this one, and if, and if you know me, you know what a big fan I am of this band. Matter of fact, if you follow me on Instagram, I just posted a couple days ago the live version of this song when I saw this band at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville here a couple years ago. I went and saw Tesla play, and their version of Signs made them superstars. They were a great rock band that was kind of undershadowed, overshadowed by a while, kind of underappreciated. And then when Five Man Electrical Jam, which is a take on the Five Man, excuse me, Five Man Acoustical Jam, a take on the Five Man Electrical Band, who was who originally recorded the song Signs, Jeff Keith vocal incredible. I listen to that album at least once a month. Matter of fact, there's sometimes that I'm just kind of working around the office. I've got that on because it, number one, it takes me back to a great time, but it's so well done, and I miss live music so much. I've listened to a lot of live stuff lately, but number two for me, without a doubt. Signs by Tesla. So what's number one? And I know there's a drum roll here, right here in your head, and people think, what's it going to be? To me, the greatest rock cover of all time, you know, it's got to be the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not. It's not the Pet Shop Boys. It's not. It's Knocking on Heaven's Door by Guns N' Roses. That, to me, that is the best rock cover of all time. I think they, they were so great to the original and paid such tribute to Bob Dylan's classic, but they made it their own. And uh, it is now one of the songs that is a mainstay in their set. And uh, I, th- I think it really kind of turned a new generation on to Bob Dylan in many respects. But that's my top ten list. Your top ten list would differ. It would be wrong. Uh, but listen, where I'm wrong, shoot me up, let me know. Hey, Steve, you completely blew it here. And I know right now somebody's going to say, well, Steve, you didn't do All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, which I believe is the greatest true cover song of all time i just didn't put him with the rock category because i think jimmy's in a category all by himself that's my my personal opinion again you may disagree but um and maybe one day we do a top 10 hendrix thing i don't know if you guys know this gene swindoll is a huge huge 
Jimi Hendrix fan. He's told me before that uh, he wants the song, I Hear My Train A-Coming, played at his funeral. And the fact that you don't know that song tells me you need to get a little deeper into the catalog because that is a, a killer track. So that would surprise a lot of people. But uh, listen, music is one of those, the, the, the t- part of the ties that bind, right? I mean, it's just part of the deal. Campus Bookmart, they're part of the deal too. You can get great deals by going to Campus Bookmart and being a part of all that. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, everybody there will take care of you. It is important. It, listen, we mentioned branding earlier. You guys need to make sure that you're doing your part to rep the brand. You need to make sure that you're buying Mississippi State merchandise and wearing it probably now more than ever. You know, th- these are the things that I think are important for us to kind of keep up with just because there's so much that happens in life. And sometimes we kind of forget who we are. Well, I think it helps to know you have friends out there. And uh, I joke with people all the time. It's like as long as you have tattoos, you have friends because other tattoo people love talking tattoos. So I have a lot of people that come up and want to talk tattoos. It's the same way with Mississippi State merch. If you're like if you're out and about and uh, gosh, I can't remember who did it recently. Uh, somebody shared with me they were on vacation in Montana. I saw on Facebook, and uh, she was it was uh, Stephanie Knight, I guess, and said that she was uh, out on vacation wearing a Mississippi State shirt, and a guy came up, and he was like in his 80s and lived in the old main dormitory and made a connection over Mississippi State. I think that is outstanding. And uh, you know how much I love the silver-haired dogs, man. I love to hear their wisdom and their stories about Mississippi State. And so I think it's important for us to identify ourselves out in the wild that we're among friends. Okay, so on yesterday, too, I ranked my top 25 football players in the state of Mississippi. I'm going to spend a little time talking about this, and then we're going to push you on out of here and let you guys get on with your day. So here's my top 25. Other people, you know, here's the deal. My, my criteria for ranking players is their talent and ability and not their college destination. Yeah, there are kids like – they're going to all Miss, and I think they're good. Like A.J. Brown, I had A.J. Brown as the number one receiver in the state of Mississippi that year. And now, Ole Miss people said, well, he's just ranking him ahead of D.K. because he knows D.K.'s going to Ole Miss. No, I ranked A.J. ahead of D.K. because I liked A.J. better. It's not that either one of them were, were, were bad players. They were number two and three. Number one was Jeff Simmons, of course. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, A.J., an absolute monster. And I suspect both of those guys will play a long time in the NFL, provided they stay healthy. But I, I would rather come back five years from now and say, hey, I told you this kid was going to be great. And then he'd be great no matter where he went to school. And so other people I know, they have to answer to their fans. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to put all of our kids in the top five. I, I'm, I'm not that dude. Okay, so I'm going to run this down for you. I'm going to start at 25, and we'll go to number one. Uh, number 25 for me is Neshoba County running back, Neshoba Central running back, uh, Jarquez Hunter. I actually saw him play against Grenada last year. I like him. I think he can play college running back. I've had some other people say they don't think that his change of direction is good enough. I disagree. I don't think he can play college running back in the Power Five. I know he had some juice early on. Things have kind of calmed down a bit. But I think that he will be a value pick for somebody. I think a team like Southern Miss or Memphis or you know one of these G5 Cusa schools will get him. And I think he'll do a great job for him. I don't know that he's ever the feature back, but I think he can be a very productive college player. I do like him a lot. Some people like him better on defense. I'm not one of those. 24 for me, uh, and one of the reasons I have him so low is because he's kind of changing positions. He's learning to play at a new weight. That's Jim Riley, offensive lineman, Tishomingo County. Uh, Jim 
began his high school career as a wide receiver, grew into a tight end, became an attached tight end, and now will play offensive tackle under my friend coach Richard Russo there at Tishomingo County, getting ready to crank up that first year at Iuka, Russo. Uh, I like Jim Riley. I like the fact that he is a blue-collar guy that will do what his coaches have asked him to do, and I believe those guys will coach him up a little bit this year too. You know, Now that he has kind of grown into his position, he's got to learn to play at a new body weight. But – what I have seen of him when he puts his hand in the ground and blocks is really good. He's just very raw in his development. I could see him ending up in the Mississippi State class when it's all said and done. Number 22, former Ole Miss commitment Chandler Pittman. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised his recruitment hadn't had a little more juice. If you watch him on film, this kid is electric. He's a little on the small side. I, th- I like him at corner. Uh, but he is a guy that can do just about anything you want him to do. He is the straw that stirs the Trojans' drink there at McGee High School. Somebody is going to get a great player. I don't know that he has SEC size, and he's a little thinly framed. But I think this is a guy that probably goes to Southern Miss or UL Lafayette, and then we look back in three years thinking, man, we should have taken that kid. Number 21, a guy from JA. I'll be honest with you, Ladarius Webb kind of snuck up on me. Watch film of him over the weekend better than I expected. Got him ranked 21, but I, I could see him growing into a safety. I think that he is one of these guys, too, that his best football is ahead of him. You can see that more, most nights he is the best athlete on the field. I would like to have seen him run like at a Nike camp this spring and see exactly what his foot speed was because it's difficult to kind of gauge. And this is not a shot at MAIS by any stretch. That league has gotten so much better in the last 20 years. Uh, my point being is I would like to have some objective third-party measurements and, and times on him. But he is a guy that I could see kind of sneaking up in the rankings, but I think he is somewhat uh, – his ranking is somewhat lagging because of quality of competition in the eyes of others. But I think this guy can really play. Number 20 for me, uh, Carlos Walker out of Newton County, running back. Very productive guy, but he is a complimentary back. I, I think, listen, with the way Mississippi State wants to run the offense, I could see him being a guy that gets some interest late because he is more of an all-purpose back. And you got Amari on Howard, who was really more of a one-cut runner, kind of between-the-tackles guy, would have been a great running back for, for Dan Mullen. You know, that's what Kind of a Vic Bauer type. That's kind of who Amari again might even bring a little more thump than Vic. But that's, you know, that's – He's going to be a between-the-tackles guy. And I think Walker is a guy that can handle the passing stuff. But that's the deal. You know, personnel, you can't really kind of tip your hand with all that. you got to make sure that you've got, uh, you know, that everybody understands you could pass or throw on any down. But I like him. I could see him getting a late offer, not expecting it just yet. I think it's one of those deals. we got to see how the rest of the class kind of comes together. If there is a, you know, a, an option for a uh, best available spot late and Deion Smith doesn't want to come, then I think that there's a real possibility you take this kid. Uh, number 19 for me is Elijah Sabatini. Now, if this kid had gone to Mississippi State and had camped this year and run a 4-5, I think he gets an offer from Mississippi State. And I was told early on that it was basically he really wanted a chance to play in-state, play in the SEC, and if State or Ole Miss offered, he was where he was going to go. Ole Miss offers, he gets in a boat. And you know what? Good for the kid. Uh, he is a safety there at Biloxi High School. Very, very productive player. You, he is always around the football. You go look at his numbers, they're eye-popping. This is one of those guys that will absolutely bring it on the field. Never a question of effort. He's a little bit tight in the hips, okay, so he's kind of more straight line fast, and I just kind of wonder about that when it's time to cover, when it's time to, when they, they try to go over the top, will he be able to turn and run with those guys? Don't really know that yet. 
But uh, I like the uh, the commitment there to Ole Miss. Got another Biloxi player coming up a little bit later. Okay, so I got 18. I got Amari and Howard. I've kind of mentioned on him from Starville High School, committed to Mississippi State. Definitely a one-cut runner. And this is a kid, too, always want to play at Mississippi State. That means something, too. Uh, again, I think he is the primary back, and then maybe you add an all-purpose back to the class. Uh, number 17 from Biloxi High School, Devontae uh, Smith. Make sure I get that right. I wrote it down wrong the other day. I'm glad I checked. It's Devin Smith. My apologies to the Smith family. Uh, but, yeah, I like him a lot. I think that he is a guy that will, will kind of play his way into some other options. I think Kansas is the only power five right now. If he embraces a, a position change, I think this is a guy that you know could really be a, a difference maker in the offensive line. At this point, he thinks that uh, nearly 6'5", that he is a defensive tackle. Need to get him in an algebra class somewhere and teach him leverage. It's not going to work out quite that way. But uh, he is a big body guy that can really play. And uh, I think he's better being on the offensive line because if, if you watch his film, he is a little slow out of his stance on the snap. And a lot of that's reactionary time. But I think that he is a good player. I could see him being you know, the fifth offensive lineman at Mississippi State, him or Jim Riley, either one. Number 16, a kid that's incredibly underrated is Brendan Tolls. Uh, from Lafayette County, currently committed to Mississippi State. I think he might be one of those. You know, you talk about a field corner and a boundary corner. Uh, if you want to split it up that way, I think he's a guy that can play the field. I think because of his speed, could be the fastest player in the state of Mississippi. I like how he plays downhill at safety. He's a guy that really reads a quarterback well. He's obviously been well coached. You can watch his film. He doesn't run himself into trouble. It's one of the things with DB, sometimes they get caught looking in the backfield and they react emotionally rather than clinically. And when you watch Brendan Tolls, it doesn't matter if you're watching a highlight film or some game film, he just doesn't run himself out of the play very often. And I really like that, and he's only going to get better. Uh, number 15 is Corey Ellington out of Holmes County Central, also committed to Mississippi State. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think he's a great safety. This is a ball-hawking guy I think could play over the top. This is like – you know, you remember when Jonathan Banks got here at Mississippi State and he started at safety and it's like he got his hands on every football? That's kind of what I see in Corey Ellington. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be as John Banks because I don't know that. But he is one of those guys that knows how to track the football. And if you get a little sloppy back there with your ball placement, he's going to make you pay for it. I like him. His coach loves him. He tells me he thinks that he's a guy that's got potential to play in the National Football League if he works hard. I also like the fact that he's a Mississippi guy that wants to be at Mississippi State. Number 14 for me, a guy that most people didn't know a month ago, offensive lineman Gabe Cavazos from Lake Cormorant. Again, this is the byproduct of us not having a spring evaluation period and uh, not having summer camps. This is a kid that can really play. And I think Mississippi State kind of benefits because of the fact you got a lot, a lot of less schools competing, and now it's too late. You know, it's one of those deals I'm sure if Alabama or LSU got involved, but they're not recruiting that kid. My point being is if this kid – had the benefit of the spring evaluation period, probably have double-digit offers and probably have State and Ole Miss both. Well, now he's been committed to State, and so now you look at it you know, from through the lens of, a, of uh, teenagers. If State and Ole Miss are on equal footing, then you begin to ask yourself, which they're not, but you begin to ask yourself, well, where were you guys from Mississippi State offered? It's difficult to kind of get back in the game on an in-state product uh, like that. Love Gabe Cavazos, big physical kid that plays with an edge. Really like him a lot. Number 13, defensive end Ty Cooper. Uh, the top defensive lineman in the state this year. Like him off the edge. And there's a lot of rumors out there about his recruitment. There are a lot of people on those jockeying for position. State has had the lead for much of the process. But Ole Miss is in it. I mean, don't don't kid yourself. 
Nobody's going to concede the top defensive end in the state, especially that is a position of need at both schools, probably even more so at Ole Miss because they've had some real depth concerns there. So this is going to be a war all the way to the end. And you could see multiple commitments, but I think in the end he signs in Mississippi State. But there are a lot of people I know down there, and, and, and I'm going to say this too, and this may hurt some feelings, and if, if I step on your toes, I hope it hurts. One of the things that I get a little tired of is I'll get inundated from Louisville high school fans that will say, Mississippi State is always ignoring our kids, that they don't recruit our kids. I don't understand. We're just 30 minutes down the road. And then when Mississippi State does, it turns into a circus. And so, so then when you begin to ask yourself, well, I don't understand why I don't recruit more of our kids. Well, just you know, run the numbers here. You know, Denise Timms is a great player at Mississippi State. Things didn't work out. He had to leave. Charles Moore was committed to Mississippi State for, what, nearly two years, and that turned into a complete circus. You know, we can just go ahead and run this all the way back. And so it's like, you know, sometimes you say, well, you know, you should guys should be more involved with this. But, you know, it, their state should not have to worry so much about a high school 30 minutes down the, down the road. Those kids should want to come to Mississippi State. I'm not saying that all of them will. But, my goodness, it shouldn't be. It should be. You, you think about South Panola. You know, what is South Panola from Ole Miss? What, 15, 16 minutes? Those kids grow up going to those games. It's their dream to go to Ole Miss. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But that should be what Mississippi State has at Louisville. Or Louisville. I'm sorry if I said it wrong. But it, 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 there, there always seems to be some sort of issue. I, did, I, don't, I don't get it. I really don't. All right, so let's get into this here. Uh, number 12 for me is athlete Brandon Buckhalter. I labeled him an athlete because I don't know if, if he didn't end up on defense. I like Brandon Buckhalter's game a lot. I really do. I think he is talented enough to play receiver or DB, safety. I could even see him growing into, uh, you know, to an outside backer. I mean, really. I mean, he's, he's, he's put on a few LBs here this year. He is a very physical football player. And uh, I like him a lot. I think that he gives you a lot of options. And so if you elect to say, you know what, we want to take another receiver, and I think Brandon has already said that he's open to playing DB, I think that you're – I think you make that move because – and that's the, that's the strength of having playmakers that are versatile is that it gives you options on the recruiting trail where you don't necessarily have guys pitch and hold into a position. I think Brandon Buckhalter is a fabulous pick. And uh, I think – hopefully stay can hang on to him. I think that there – there's been some whispers all along that Ole Miss thinks they can get him, and maybe they can. Uh, but I know Brandon's saying all the right things, still communicating with the in-state commitments and all the guys committed to state. Uh, but I'm excited about him, really. And, and he's the guy that's kind of lost a little bit of his hype because he committed so early. But uh, this kid can really play. Uh, McKaylin Pounders, top offensive lineman in the state from Behagia, Mississippi. I got him at number 11. He's another guy, too. He commits early, and people kind of forget about him. But make no mistake, this kid can play. Arkansas is still on him. Ole Miss is still on him. So, State's got to continue to recruit him. To recruit him, I don't know if he's a right tackle or a left tackle. Don't know yet. But I know that he's got the feet to probably play either way. And, you know, I think Mason Miller will figure that out. We won't have to worry about it. Again, we don't need to conduct a Twitter poll. Uh, but I like this. And this was a great early win for Mike Leach and staff right in state to be able to get to beat Ole Miss for a kid they really wanted. And they, and they still want him or still after him. And so – uh, I think State's in a good job kind of hanging in there. But uh, he is one of those guys you're going to have to continue to recruit. Number 10 for me, and at one time, probably two years ago, I would have said this guy would be number one player in the state. His recruitment has not gone the way I expected. That's Antonio Harmon at Kosciuszko. I still love this kid. 
His foot speed is a little bit of a question mark. I think he probably ends up being a flex tight end. I don't know that he can get outside the numbers and outrun an SEC corner. I just don't think so. Now, I think he can outmuscle them. And I think that he is a guy that could be a real mismatch as a flex tight end in a spread offense. Uh, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised that State stays on him. State is still recruiting him. There's some rumors out there that we're going all in on him. That's not true. Um, but Antonio Harmon, great catch radius, uh, got an NFL body. You know, he's one of those guys got a big frame. He's going to continue to put on weight and muscle. That's why I think he probably fits as a spread tight end. I'm surprised that Ole Miss hadn't been able to get him to commit. And I think that's one of those things, too, you look at. You want to know how bad Ole Miss recruiting is going right now is the fact they couldn't get Antonio Harmon in the boat. And then people say, well, you know, Ole Miss not ready to take him. And, and you, you better start taking somebody. Uh, number nine, wide receiver uh, Isaiah Brever from South Haven. I had him a little bit higher, but this is, again, questions about the foot speed. You know, another big physical guy. I like him a little bit more than Antonio Harmon. A little bit more. I mean, it's one of those things, it depends on what day you ask me. But when I go back and watch the film, I think Brevard is just a little more polished. Just a little more polished. And that's not to say that they both won't be great playmakers. I mean, we're talking top ten players here. Uh, committed to Oregon. I don't think Ole Miss or Mississippi State were ready to take him early on. Big physical guy. I just don't know how well he can run. I got him behind some other guys because of that. I just don't know if you if this kid can get vertical. Number eight for me, cornerback Justin Wiley, the top corner in the state of Mississippi. Younger brother of Jaden Wiley out of the Iverville High School. Love this kid, saw him play in person last year against Picayune. They got absolutely killed. This guy's out there knocking heads the rest of the ball game. He never, ever, ever got discouraged. Kid played, even though they were getting destroyed. The kid played hard. That impressed me. Uh, I like his length, and he's another guy, too, that, that's, that brings a little more of a little funk at the point of attack. He's not scared to put his hat in there and, uh, and play the run. A lot of corners, you know, are, are kind of prissy. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. What I mean by that, some of those corners do not want to tackle. They're not Tavez Calhoun. You know, they, they don't. They want to get out there and push a guy out of bounds. Uh, they won't get out there and fight through blocks. And in this day and age of spread football, you better be able to get off a perimeter block and make a play in the backfield. And that's what Justin Wiley can do. I really, really like his blue-collar, blue hard-edge approach. I really like him a lot. I think that he is a starter in the SEC. Number seven for me, uh, the network actually has a number five. I have a number seven. That's Mississippi State wide receiver commitment, Jacoby Moore. I have loved Jacoby Moore since the beginning. And it's one of those things you look at and say, when with so many wide receivers in the state, how do you kind of stack them up? Well, Jacoby Moore's foot speed is better than Harmon and Brevard. He's also an outside receiver that can play outside the numbers and make the big catch. He's a guy that can elevate in the red zone. Great length. Great competitiveness, but he also is a guy that can navigate through traffic. He's a guy you can throw the six-yard hitch to, and he can take it for a touchdown. That's, I think, what separates him from the guys behind him, is that he is so much more versatile. He's not just that big physical presence where you throw the dadgum fade every play and hope he comes down with it. I think Jacoby is just a little more versatile. Number six for me, and I don't care where he's committed, is Canarius Johnson. I love Canarius Johnson, and uh, – Listen, I'll be honest with you. If things don't work out with Deion Smith in the end, I think you got to go get this kid. Now, Canaris Johnson, I think, is going to be a slide guy. I love his game, though. This is an explosive player. He is – the foot speed is there. He's one of those guys that once he breaks containment and gets into the secondary, it's a touchdown. It is a touchdown. And there are a lot of guys out there, too, that don't know how to run in the open field. He's not one of them. The guys clearly got good field vision. 
He's also got great hands. I love the word swagger gets thrown around so much to the point that it's almost a cliche. This is a guy that plays with a true swagger, true swagger. This is a guy that believes he's the best guy on the field, uh, almost at the point of being cocky. But I tell you, that's a tough draw on a Friday night for a high school corner to pair up with him. I think he might be the best route runner in the state, to be honest with you. And that includes Deion Smith. Great player. I got him as a number two receiver in the state. He's committed to Tulane. I don't care. I don't care where he's committed. And you know what? If he ends up being committed to an SEC school in December, then I'll just say I told you so. This kid is SEC good. Number five for me, Kadarius Callaway. Here's what I love about Callaway. He will absolutely change your oil for you. He will hit you. Oh, my gosh. You want to see kids get downhill. Put his film on. He will absolutely strike you. I'm a little bit worried about change of direction, and that's one of the reasons that uh, I've got him behind MJ Daniels. I just don't know if a change of direction in space, what's he going to do? How's he going to kind of hem somebody up in space and make that open field tackle? He will get downhill. He will explode. He will blitz. He will make TFLs. I just worry about him a little bit in space. Now, that's not to say that Nick Saban won't know how to use him. I'm not suggesting that at all. I think that this is the biggest hitter in the state. I hope that he ends up back in the Mississippi State class. But he is one of those guys, too, that you look at right now. His best football is ahead of him, absolutely ahead of him. Once he gets into a college weight room, he's going to be an absolute monster, absolute monster. I teased it a little bit, but number four for me is safety, MJ Daniels. He was listed as a corner early on out of George County. He could probably play corner. I think he could play the boundary. I think he's a guy that can get in there and stick his head in and make a big tackle against a run. But I also like him at safety. I think I, I think he's probably a good SEC corner and probably an NFL safety. I think he's that good. Uh, he had a top six and State didn't make the list and everybody panicked, but yet he's been in contact with Mississippi State just about every day from what I'm told. Uh, he continues to say that State's a, a contender uh, in interviews despite the fact we weren't in the top six. And listen – you take all that with a grain of salt. There's some of these guys, too, that like they, they put a film out there, put a graphic out there to create a little buzz. And a lot of times, too, they're doing it to kind of check the barometer of the schools that are recruiting them. So you put it out there, and all of a sudden somebody picks up, hey, wait a minute, why didn't we make your top five? I thought we were good. Oh, coach, oh, my bad. You know, there's, the game is played on both sides of the aisle. People forget that. There's a lot of games being played on social media. But I love MJ Daniels as a tackler. I, I think that he is uh, one of the better safeties we've had in the state sometime. Number three for me is Luke Altmaier from Starville High School. And I'll be honest with you, I, I was wrong initially about Luke Altmaier, and I'm not afraid to admit it. The first time that I saw Luke Altmaier at Starville High School, and we all know Chad, right? And if you know Chad Altmaier, Chad is a big physical guy. And so I saw Luke, and somebody's like, yeah, I think he's going to have his mom's size. Well, I don't think Luke's mom's nearly as big as Chad. And so I wondered then, man, this kid's a good athlete. I wonder if he can hit the curveball. Because if he can, maybe he could be a college baseball player. But you know what happened? He continued to grow. And by his sophomore year, his arm strength began to really surprise me. You think, okay, all right, okay. Now what's happened is he has really grown and developed, and he is a legitimate Power 5 quarterback. And uh, I think he fits the scheme at Mississippi State. People say, well, see, why didn't we take him? Well, you know – as somebody succinctly said on Gene's page today, Mike Leach already had his own evaluations. He wasn't going to change that just because he changed his address. It's because he changed states. If Sawyer Roberts and, and Daniel Greek were good enough to play at Washington State in that offense, they're good enough to play in that offense here. 
And so that's not to say anything negative about Luke. It's just Luke wasn't on the Mississippi State Mike Leach radar anymore. Now, when Jim Moorhead was here, it was all the discussion was which one will go to State, which one will go to Ole Miss, meaning Takis and and uh, and Luke Altmaier. And so that was the discussion. Now it's like there's a chance that neither one of them are going to end up in State. Both are committed to out-of-state schools. Luke committed to Florida State, committed early on, has not really given any indication that uh, he's anything but sour. I know that Ole Miss is still on him very, very heavy, and that is something to consider. Uh, but let's be honest, you know, if you had to, to make your choice right now, uh, if you're a high school player, you hadn't seen Ole Miss play in a ball game throughout your high school career. They hadn't had a winning season throughout your high school career. And say, well, we're going to go up there and rebuild. You know, I just I just don't see it. I can't see Luke turning down Florida State to go to Ole Miss. I just – I don't see it. I, I, I really don't. Now, he may prove me wrong, but uh, I like him. I don't like him quite as much as Takis, though. And, again, this is that whole – A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf thing. I had A.J. 2, D.K. 3. I got Ty 2 and Luke 3. They're both elite players. Ty Keys, I think, size-wise, is a little more challenged. He's going to go play for Will Hall, that offense at Tulane. And Will's done a great job recruiting Mississippi. And I, and I absolutely love Ty Keys. All he has done is win his entire high school career. His freshman year leads Taylorsville to the state championship. I guess his sophomore year, he loses in the state championship game, and they win the state championship game last year. He has never ended his high school career anywhere other than the state title game. He is going to be one of the most prolific offensive players in the history of the state of Mississippi. And he's going to end up going out of state. Now, if Joe Moorhead was here, I believe he would be a Bulldog now. But he does not fit the scheme that Mike Leach wants to run. Todd needs that dual threat element. He is very much a passer. But he like he needs to be able to get outside, and I think his mobility probably he's probably better suited for another scheme. But I am a Tykees fan. I think that he will go to Tulane if he doesn't go somewhere else, and absolutely light it up. And he's got Canaris Johnson to throw it to. I think you know I'm already beginning to think you know what my second favorite team might be Tulane. But number one, and I think any list that doesn't have Deion Smith number one is is probably put together by homers. Deion Smith, former Mississippi State commitment, currently committed to LSU out of Provine. I put him in that same vein as A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, DeAndre Brown, Dante Moncrief. I think he is an absolute stud. Uh, And he's one of those guys, too, that uh, he is so ridiculously productive. If you look at his touchdown-to-catch ratio, it is absolutely off the charts. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. You just throw it up and let him go get it. Uh, I don't know that – that's the one thing I would say. Route running is good. I don't know that it's elite, and I don't know that it's had to be elite because the ball placement at times, is. if you see his film, he's having to adjust a lot to an underthrown ball or poorly thrown ball, and he's such a player that he makes all that look so easy. What is he going to do when he has a quarterback that can throw it to him in stride? That's what excites me about this kid As you begin to think, as great as he is now, what's he going to do when he has good good quarterback play? To me, that is absolutely imperative for his development. So that's my top 25. So you've had two lists today, the top 10 rock covers and now top 25 Mississippi high school players. Uh, A lot of other great players out there that that could play their way into the top 25. I think Mississippi State will declare victory in the end. But uh, there are some people that say, hey, listen, Steve, we don't have many of those guys on your list in the top 10 committed to Mississippi State. Well, part of the reasons why is I'm not a homer. I'm not just going to go rank all the Mississippi State kids uh, higher 
because I believe that you have to have some integrity in all this. But I don't think that you trade Sawyer Robertson for either of these in-state quarterbacks. Sawyer Robertson is better. I think Daniel Greek is on par uh, with these guys in some respects. But, uh, you know, Sawyer Robertson, to me, arguably the best quarterback prospect Mississippi State's had uh, committed. And so I wouldn't throw him back and then say, well, you know, well, Steve, you know, we got these DBs and, you know, we've been on them, so we'll see what happens. And with so many wide receivers in the state, some are going to go out. And somebody asked me, well, how would you rank Malik Neighbors and Teddy Knox and Sawyer Robertson if they lived in the state of Mississippi? I'll tell you. Number one would be Sawyer Robertson. Two would be Deion Smith. Three would be Teddy Knox. And four would be Malik Neighbors. So you got three players on your commitment list that I believe would be top five players if they lived in the state of Mississippi. So Mike Leach and the crew doing pretty good. We got to finish up. Got to get got to get a couple more DBs and got to get a couple more offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and that's pretty much going to be it. You know, we will get a linebacker here, maybe pick up a late receiver there. You guys have gotten gotten spoiled late with some longer shows too. So before I get out of here, go to alphadogsthebook.com, pre-order your books. We had a great night last night. We had a Facebook live show. If you didn't watch it, you can go back and watch it its entirety. Uh, had a little bit of a sales-a-thon during the show, so as a result, I'm going to do another Facebook live show Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central over on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. If you hadn't liked our page, go do it. And also go order books. Go order go order a handful of books. Go personalize them all. And what's great, too, man, thank you guys so much. They're telling me we're starting to have a lot of Stark villains and Flim Flam sales again. And that's the thing I think to myself. Flim Flam's been out three years, and people are, are just getting it for the first time. It's, a, it's great how much you guys support. So, again, go to alphadogsthebook.com. And you can order all three books right there and get every one of them personalized. I'll write whatever you want. You can write, I'll, I'll sign it to your dog. Doesn't make any difference to me. Well, folks, it's going to do it for David back on Wednesday. We'll break down the schedule and what it all means for Mississippi State. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.